the hardcore fans that listen to Pride and Prejudice, <laughs> um, if you remember, I mentioned that the local vet next door, their cat's name is Mr. Darcy. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, and then the other week, Isabel and I had to go to the vet to um, get our annual checkup. <laughs> <laughs> our, no, the, the pets had to get checked <laughs> out, Milo and Twinkie. Mr. Darcy, the cat, was there. He came out for a bit and then stalked off as cats are wont to do. <laughs> and I was like, there he goes, off to propose awkwardly to Elizabeth Bennett. <laughs> and then... um. Isabel's like, I don't get it. The vet receptionist, the vetceptionist was like, um, <laughs> okay, you shouldn't drink. I'm, I'm on fire. I'm uh, the vetceptionist commended me for knowing classic literature. <laughs> and then I was like, actually, that's just from our podcast. <laughs> and so I read the like, classic literature. And then, yeah. Man, I wish we had business cards. You could have just slid one over the or table. Or I could have said, oh, it's on so and so. Spotify, iTunes, and then, It was meant Whatever to be on Spotify, on. iTunes, but it was not. And, um, it is now, at the moment that you're hearing this. Oh, yeah. And another thing on Pride and Prejudice, mm-hmm. um, me and my other housemate, Jacinda, watched um, that horrible movie After. You know, that um, sexy teen romance thing where she's like, a good girl, she gets to college, and she meets the bad boy. <laughs> oh, so it's called, the name of the... Is After. Okay, right. And it's based, it's actually Harry Styles fan fiction. <laughs> Is it really? Yes. Oh and my I, God. I, I commend the fan fiction writer that hustled so hard. She turned it into a book series mm. and now a movie series. But um, anyway, the guy that plays the bad boy is Baby Voldemort. Not, oh, not nice. the one that talks to Slughorn. It's like, what's a Horcrux? Like the little one. <laughs> you know, the one that sets the dresser on uh, fire? Yeah, and yeah, Dumbledore yeah. Is he's like, got like, yeah, he's like got an upsetting face. What was he? Wasn't he the bad guy? Like the, the bad little kid in Merlin too or whatever the BBC thing? Anyway, so that was happening, and um, they're both in a advanced literature class because they're very smart. <laughs> um, anyway, and they're talking about. Um, Is that how you talk about me behind my back? <laughs> no. Everyone listen to my other podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you bitch. Um, What's it about? Anyway, they talk. About <laughs> <laughs> they talk about Pride and Prejudice, and you know they have an argument about it, and this is this is what Lord Voldemort, young Lord Voldemort, has to say about it. And of course, he's British because the actor is British. Yeah, yeah. But his British accent is so funny because apparently he talks like I talk when I put on a British accent. So oh, this will so be like, oh no, like this. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this is what he says. <laughs> Right of prejudice. Okay, okay. And it's so funny. I had to pause it and write it down. <laughs> um, so they were talking about how the girl, obviously, she loves Elizabeth Bennett. Oh, yeah, she loves Pride and Prejudice. You know, because, you know, she's, she's not like other girls. Yeah. And then the guy was like, this is what he says. Oh, my God. <laughs> she just rolled up her sleeves. <laughs> um, Elizabeth Bennett needs to chill. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently, Elizabeth uh, Bennett needs to chill. That's it's what it pretty is. clearly Darcy who needs to choose. I know! <laughs> that entire book. And they have like this heated <laughs> argument about it. Ugh. But anyway, it's like it, Elizabeth Bennet needs to chew. Oh, that's better. Yeah, keep that. In, in the end, they actually um, they break up. But then the the literature professor gives her his paper because she's like, I think this was written for you. And I'm like, that's not how assignments work. Whatever. Whoa, that's super not allowed. And I'm like, how unethical. Okay, but anyway, fire this man, woman. <gasps> Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what did we just reveal? <laughs> Women can be literature professors. You hag. <laughs> so sorry. Anyway, I'm gonna be canceled. 
can't say it. My career is over. At her, everyone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so, yeah. Hey, no, it wasn't. Oh, that is more? No, I was about to finish my okay, story, sorry, and then you were like, boo, boo, boo. please continue. Anyway, she reads the paper, and of course, it's in the voiceover, like his voiceover. It was like, oh, um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, he talks about how love isn't real, it's just a social construct, of course. He sounds blah, blah, blah. like just a wonderful guy. Yeah, he's great. And he's mm-hmm. a, he's got all these fake tattoos that are supposed to kind of mimic What's Harry Styles' tattoos. His name is um, Harden. Because, you know, Harry... I bet all her friends are like, ugh, you're not bringing Harden to the party, are you? <laughs> I hope so. Um, yeah, it actually ends with them just, like, ambiguously sitting next to each other. Are they going to get back together? I don't know. Because oh. there's two more movies. And I'm like, great. <laughs> two more of these. That's what I need. You gonna watch him though? Yeah. <laughs> Do you oh. want to start? What am I starting with? You're the one that read the book. Yeah. So welcome to a literature. Oh right. Yeah. Um, I'm Sandy. I'm Sam. And that was a literature. Good night. Oh, thank God! Right. <laughs> Shut these no, okay, bitches okay. up. Um, today we're doing, and then there were none. By Agatha Christie, published in 1939. That's so long ago. It was like at the beginning of the Second World War. Wow. So one of one of many important things that happened in 1939. Since its publication, it has become the best-selling crime novel of all time. Wow. With over 100 million copies sold. And More than the Da Vinci Code. Yeah. Oh wow. Because the Da Vinci Code's like a, it's like a number 11 or something of books, most sold books of all time, and this is the sixth best-selling novel. Even after. Of all time. Even after they got Tom Hanks to promote the Da Vinci Code. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna been... be honest. I don't know what year this like <laughs> the survey was made. It's not that good. I was just trying no, to rally you up. No, it's not. Really, big I wish it was. I really wanted like there was a moment in was high school. Was Paul Bettany in it? Huh? Yeah, and he yeah. was great. But um, there was like a moment in my life where I was like got in year seven or year eight and I was like I was gonna solve the Da Vinci Code like I was just super into secret puzzles and I thought it was like a real thing like I thought there were codes to be solved in year seven or eight that's what you were doing and then there were none oh. so that's the name of the book and what a, a saucy title <laughs> for all so, of you at home Sandy just quivered I did <laughs> she vibrated that's upsetting <laughs> <laughs> so I I wanted to start with a disclaimer that I have deliberately not cast anyone or i've not named any actors to play any of these characters i'll cast them because i don't want to spoil the ending i don't want you to be like oh that person would play the villain so i'll still cast them i'm gonna sure fuck. okay <laughs> so okay so we begin on a train rolling across the english countryside towards- are you gonna talk like this the whole time because i'm just, i'm not gonna stand for it <laughs> okay so we're rolling across the english countryside towards the seaside and well now my normal voice sounds weird to me they all sound weird. Is this something that takes place wholly on a train? No. Oh, thank God. Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah, thank you. They turned that into a movie and apparently it was terrible. It was. It was actually really disappointing. Aww. And it was full of really good actors as well. I know. So I, don't know what they did I saw the lineup and I'm like, whoa, banging Coachella. I know. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Coachella because it's on a coach. Yeah. Mm. Okay. So we begin. I, I have a confession. I didn't think about that, but that was really funny. <laughs> <laughs> we begin on a train rolling across the English countryside towards the seaside town of Sticklehaven in Devon. Is this are these real places? Yes, actually. Devon like cheese? Yeah. Oh. And Devonshire tea? 
Sure. I've been to Devon. It was really pretty. Oh, I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I love the idea of like murders happening there because it's so pretty and quaint. But anyway, uh, so on this train in a little booth is a man called Justice Wargrave. What? He's an elderly judge like you. Really Justice. Double. Justice. That's his title. Justice. Oh, I thought that was his name. I'm like like that <laughs> actor, Justice Smith, who's like in Detective <laughs> Pokemon, Detective Pikachu. Okay. Um, describe this man so I can <laughs> cast him. He's elderly. He's, um, I think he's deceptively old. I think he's stronger maybe than he looks. Christopher Plummer. Ooh. Mm. Mm. Okay. Oh, I love that. You love <laughs> That's it? That's a really good cast. Yeah. I should That's be a casting stern, director. You know, yeah. Was hot when he was young, maybe. He, he was so hot when he was young. He, Captain Rather. Crap. Oh, my rather. God. Every, oh, my God. <laughs> I would defy his whistles just so he would, like, spank me. <laughs> But in this scenario, he's not my father. Hey, you're gonna he have can to be my daddy, You're going to have to let me get through more than a sentence I at can't. a time. I can't. He's bound for an island that, depending on the version of the book you read, is either called Indian Island or Soldier Island. Is um, this like a racial thing? Yeah. It's yeah. undergone about three edits. Oh. Um, I'm not going to say the original name of the island. N-word? Yeah. Um, and we, yeah, did you not know that, Alana? Alana's looking at me like, oh my god. That's not a name of an island. <laughs> and I'm going to go into this more later. Like, this is something that we're going to, like, unpack That Agatha Christie suits bit. racist? Well, we'll go into this more later. So put it a pin in that. But anyway. Put a pin in racism. For the purposes of this, I'm going to be calling it Soldier Island. Yeah, thank you. That's the most, like... <laughs> Amenable one. So he's thinking about the rumors that have swirled around the place. There, around this island. There's a mansion there that was built by a millionaire. But he had to give it up for whatever reason. So now people are speculating about who's bought it. Some think it now belongs to a movie star or a member of the royal family. <clears throat> so that's where Wargrave's headed. And he withdraws a letter from his pocket and he reviews the contents. It's an invitation to the island signed by an old friend of his who he hasn't seen in about eight years. And her name is Constance Carmington. Um, hmm. I don't know, great names. <laughs> but this isn't super out of character as she's kind of like a wild child. She's always been the kind who like jet sets around. Last you heard of her, she was in the Middle East smoking hooker and riding camels or whatever. How old is she meant to be? Same age as him? Maybe or? a bit younger, but like same set, I guess. You know? Yeah, let me... 70s. So he thinks to himself, Constance is exactly the kind of person who would buy a place like Soldier Island. Now, a couple of carriages down... It's a woman by the name of Vera Claythorne who's looking at her own letter. It's a letter of employment from a woman called Una Nancy Owen, contracting her to work as a secretary, also on Soldier Island. I feel like I need like I, I need like a table to keep up with all these characters. <laughs> okay, there's gonna be like ten to twelve in total. Oh my god! Yeah. All right. Okay, you gotta help me. I gotta cast these people just so I remember who they are. Okay, okay. so she's like, oh, sensible, nice. I honestly like a M- Emily Emma Watson kind of. Okay. Yeah. Done. Um, so Una Nancy is apparently the wife of the owner of the island. So she, um, Vera is reflecting on how lucky she is to get a holiday position. So we learn she's usually a school teacher. It's hard, kind of hard to get work in the holidays. Especially after being involved in a coroner's inquest at her last post. What's a coroner's inquest? So a coroner's inquest is like an investigation into a suspicious death. So it's like Ooh, death's Watson. an accident, but there's an investigation anyway. There's an asterisk. Exactly. It's not like a homicide investigation. It's a... It's a like a... I'm winking to the microphone. <laughs> yeah. So um, she was cleared of all potential criminal actions. Um, but through her musings, we learned that her involvement in the incident led to her lover, who was who's named Hugo, abandoning her. 
Is Hugo important? Do I need to think about him? Um, you can think about him. Okay, let's just cast him as her husband in Little Women. Sure. Whoever okay. that guy Hugo. was. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever his name. Whatever. What's his face? Oh, the the tutor. Mm. Yeah. What's his face? So she tries not to think about it. Oh. Um. So she's like actively trying not to think about it, and instead she looks over at the man who's sitting across from her, a handsome tanned man. Ooh. And she muses about whether he's well traveled, right? Because he's tanned. Oh, wow. Okay. So we switch to the perspective of the handsome man sitting across mm. from her. His name's Philip Lombard. Okay. He's sizing her up, noting that she's also attractive. Is there sexual tension? I mm, think maybe so. Maybe a little bit. So is um, he meant to be foreign or is he just tanned? He's just tanned. He's English. Um, so traveled. I was really hoping that not telling you who's cast in these roles like would make it better, but I feel like it's making it way harder. It's making it so hard. <laughs> um, so, okay, I, I so, don't know who they are. All right, keep going. Hardy with a tan. Hardy with a tan. Aiden Turner plays him in the BBC version. No, don't tell me who plays him. I'm going to come oh, up yeah, with him. Right, nice. He's really good, though. <laughs> um, so, Maybe like Chuck Bass she's... from Gossip Girl. Well, so she thinks, he thinks she's also attractive and sort of like capable looking, sensible looking kind of Yeah, Emma woman. Watson. Yeah, um, he thinks back to a meeting he's had with a name with a man named Mr. Morris, who's hired him on behalf of a man he's never met, a Mr. Owen. You remember she was hired by Mrs. Owen? He's hired mm-hmm. by Mr. Owen. They're hiring a lot of people. Mm. For an ambiguous job, also on Soldier Island. He's not sure what it's meant to involve, but he was instructed to bring his revolver with him. Ooh. Morris had apparently hired him on account of his reputation as being, quote, good in a scrape. So he's uh... kind of like a gun for hire, is his job. Um, and that's kind of the capacity in which he's going to Soldier Island. Okie doke. So another carriage or two down. Can Tom Hardy play him? No, too old, too gross. He could do it. Yeah, maybe be, like, I maybe ima- a little bit younger. I don't know. Because I imagine someone would be 30s. good in a scrape mm. would be Tom Hardy. You mm. know, a little. He could do it. He could definitely do it. Okay, Tom Hardy's there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Is Killian Murphy going to be in this too? <laughs> <laughs> Killian Murphy could be Philip Lombard. Blah, 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 blah. Philip Lombard with a bit of a tan. Killian Murphy? No. I'll find him. I'll find him. Okay. Oh, I always find him. <laughs> Another carriage or two down sits a woman called Emily Brent. She's an old conservative spinster who's sitting bolt upright as she disapproves of slouching. Dolores Umbridge may be a good player. Yeah, definitely. Perfect. She's a sour old bitch. That's me. That's Dolor- editorializing. <laughs> I was like, I'm sure that wasn't in the book, right? <laughs> um, and very religious. Dolores Umbridge. Then. Yeah, so she's reflecting on an invitation of her own by someone claiming to have met her at a guest house somewhere, mm-hmm. inviting her for a holiday on Soldier Island. The signature on the invitation is illegible, however, so she's turning in her mind who it might be from. She's like, oh, is it that lady I met there? This woman I met here? Oh, um, they just signed it without like printing their name out? Yeah. <laughs> How vague. She's obviously not someone who's going to pass up on a free holiday just because yeah. she's not sure who it's from. On a different train, a later train to the same destination, sits a General MacArthur. He's a stuffy older man and a veteran of, I believe, the First World War. It's 39 mm-hmm. is when it's published. And I think it's said a couple, maybe a year or two earlier, so probably the First World War. Yeah. Veteran. Don't add her. Don't add me. Don't add her. And he's also been invited to, you guessed it, oh, Soldier, Soldier Island. Island. His letter. Is this like fire? <laughs> fire festival? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, his letter has promised the company of a few old friends of his from the war. And he's glad for the invitation because he apparently doesn't get many these days on account of a rumor about something he did 30 years ago. But we don't get to find out what that is yet. Uh, it's probably something terrible like rape or something. Oof. 
Well, sounds like I got him. No. Oh. Um, now we switch to a car. Wait, sorry. Hang on. Who's playing um, potential rapist general man? Uh, Just a guy with a mustache. Uh, Nothing to lose. <laughs> <laughs> Think. Does he have to be handsome, or is he just like, oh, I was in the war? Old sunny. military guy, big mustache, I guess. Like, uh, like Tom Selleck, but Tom Selleck's pretty sexy, though. He can be sexy. He be All right, fine. It's Tom Selleck. <laughs> okay, he's not a rapist, then. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Oof. Because I um, like if you tell <clears throat> tell me something terrible, I'm like, well, obviously he didn't kill someone because he went to war, so he would have killed someone there. And they're like, oh, good. I'm like, what's now another terrible thing? Now we switch to thing? a car rolling along a Devonshire road on the way to. Soldier Island. Driving the car is a Dr. Armstrong who's been oh. called there to perform a checkup on the ailing wife of a Mr. Owen. A man he has never met before either but was like referred to through his doctor connections. How old is this doctor? Oh, uh, he's like 40s, I would can say. He be, can he beat Patrick Wilson in like Bone Tomahawk? Yeah. 40s, yeah. Yeah. I'll just make everyone hot. It's fine. Why not? It's the only... T- I can only um, concentrate if everyone is hot. <laughs> he's wealthy, well-known doctor, and especially known for solving women's issues, if I remember oh, correctly. Um, hysteria. <laughs> he's reflecting on the good luck he's had, especially considering an incident some years ago which could have destroyed his career for what good. What with all these mis- <laughs> Suddenly, another, much nicer car roars past. Oh. Driven by a young man named Tony Marston, who's reflecting on nothing except his sweet ride. Ooh, all right, someone young and hot. That's what I wrote. His sweet, his stang. (laughs) Um, Zac Efron? Yeah, yeah. And 17 again? Yeah. When he gets out of the car and he's like, (laughs) flicks his hair back. And I'm like, okay, Matthew Perry, you wish. (laughs) So, on another train, I guess from a different part of the country. Yeah, sure. Um, is an ex-detective named Mr. Bloor. Mm. So in his hands is a list of the names of all the people that we've just visited. Tom Selleck, yeah, etc. Mm-hmm. The invitees to Soldier Island. He's reading it over, thinking that the job he's about to embark on will probably be pretty easy. The only other person in his carriage, an old sea dog, warns him a storm is about to come. Oh, so it was like, like, a, like a dog? <laughs> <laughs> a sea dog, you know, <laughs> like an old, an old dude. And also that the Day of Judgment is near. So why is the detective going there? We don't know yet. Oh. He just has a list of names. He's like, mm-hmm. all right. We're going to find out eventually. Um, but we don't know is this an old detective kind of guy? Like, I would say... Can it be Killian Murphy in in time with this Matrix <laughs> trench coat? No, no, no. Coat? He's not smart enough. I would oh. put, you know, the guy who plays um, Killian Murphy's big brother in Peaky Blinders? Oh, Arthur. That's the vibe, yeah. Oh, perfect. Okay. Yeah. Um, Arthur. 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 Yeah, he's kind of like lower class and do a bit rough. You'd be fucking blind. He's like, this job would probably be pretty easy. (laughs) Um, Anyway, so this old sea dog comes up to him and Bloor kind of shrugs him off thinking, well, that old dude is much closer to the Day of Judgment than I am, right? Ah, death, yes. Um, But the narrator says, there, as it happens, he was wrong. He died. Not yet, oh. but that's the end of chapter one. Ah, so the sea dog Mm-mm. did it. <laughs> Colonel Sea Dog Mustard in the study with a sea candlestick. At the train station, which has been autocorrected to translation. In At the Stilla translation. Haven. It's just a nice little touch. There are two taxis, 
waiting to take the travellers to the dock, from which they'll be ferried to Soldier Island. Jesus, okay. Justice Wargrave and Emily Brandt share a car. They're a bit older, so they probably don't want to be hanging Hang on, hang on. Around. I'm just trying to remember who these are. Justice, Justice Wargrave is... Um, Christopher Plummer. Christopher Plummer from the beginning. And Emily Brandt is Dolores... Dolores Umbridge, yeah. thank you. While Philip Lombard and Vera Claythorne... Um, Emma Watson and Tom Hardy. Yeah, the two hotties checking two each other hotties. out. They wait together for the second yeah, taxi, which can't leave until General MacArthur arrives. Tom Selleck. Tom Selleck. Okay, okay. Tom. The entire party is a bit weirded out. Yeah, they don't know what the fuck they're there for. Each of them have been expecting something different, and none of them have been expecting each other. Yeah, because I guess they didn't get in the letter like, oh, BT dubs, there's some other peeps there. Yeah, yeah. Um, so Philip and Vera make small talk until General MacArthur arrives and the three of them hop in the cab and meet up with the others at the Hang dock. Hang on. What? <laughs> Just like a ghost jingling bells. <laughs> like, ooh. She's the ghost that haunts us. It's tweaky. Um, and they meet up with the others at the dock along with Justice Wargrave and Emily Brent is a man who introduces himself as David Davis. But who is really Detective Blore? Oh, it's Arthur. Mm-hmm. It's Arthur. Arthur. You're like, I'm Davis. And they're what? like, okay. <laughs> they're like, they'll ask whatever. Sure. I'm Davis, not Detective whatever my name is in the book. Blore. Blore. Not, my name is not Blore. Who said that? Despite what you may have heard, <laughs> I'm Davis. <laughs> not Detective, what's his face? Yeah, that's right. Not Blore. Yeah. Davis. Davis. <laughs> Um, so the man who's going to take them on the boat. Is it the salty old sea dog? No, it's, it's a someone else. He's, he's also a sea dog, but his name's Fred Narakot. And I always love him because no matter what version you watch or listen to, he's always played by someone with a really adorable Devon accent. Like Hagrid, he's like, oh, I just rap real ear, miss. <laughs> so can we just cast Hagrid <laughs> as yeah. him? He's just the best. He's in there for like two seconds. Okay, so Hagrid's there with the boat. There he is. He takes him out on the boat. (sighs) Harry. (laughs) Harry, you want to hop on this boat? I'll take you around the island. (laughs) You're a wizard. Just before they're about to set off, Tony Marsden skids to a halt in front of the bitch and (laughs) He looks beautiful and strong as a young god. Oh. That's the line from the poem. Oh, can we use Brad Pitt then instead? Um, No. Keep Zachary. Fine. Can we use Brad Pitt at some point? No. Oh, for fuck's Next sake. Next time, Sam. No. So, <laughs> they all hop in the boat. I'm inconsolable, Sandy. <laughs> and Fred rows them out towards the island. He's thinking about what a weird party of guests this No, is. Can, you, can you say that, but in the Hagrid voice? <laughs> what a weird party of guests this is. <laughs> Quite an eclectic mix of people. They don't seem like the personal friends of a million. <laughs> of a millionaire. You'll remember that the rumor is a millionaire bought the island? Well, like, yeah. These people don't look like the friends of a millionaire. Well, I don't think you can buy an island unless you have like at least a couple of million in your bank account, right? Yeah, I'm not arguing with you. Like, I don't know why you're pulling that tone of voice with me. I don't know. I'm arguing with Hagrid. <laughs> <laughs> they all land on the island and make their way up to the house. Nice. Here we it's go. It's a sexy modern house by 1940 oh. standards and quite big. A mansion, if you will. <laughs> if you will. <laughs> will you? <laughs> I shall. <laughs> I have. When they get when they get there, they're greeted by the butler, Mr. Rogers, who Ooh. tells them that their host, Mr. Owen, has unfortunately been delayed and will greet them, sort of will come to the island later. Um, Can we cast the butler as Rafe finds in Grand Budapest Hotel? Yes. Done. 
but they have been instructed to make themselves at home. So their rooms are ready for them. Cocktails have been mixed and oh, dinner is in the oven. Fucking dope. All right. Now all the guests go upstairs to their room and we're in Vera's perspective again. How do they know? What, are, are there labels on their rooms? I think they just choose. Oh, all right. Um, I think they're like, these are the guest rooms. You know, the, the butler shows them to them. Yeah, very fine. Sure. Um, so Emma Watson's here. Emma Watson's here. She's impressed by how well appointed the room is, considering okay. she's only going to be a little secretary, a lowly secretary. Um, it has its own fireplace. There's like a, a, a marble clock in the shape of a bear on the mantelpiece. Oh, dope. I feel like that's going to be important if you had to tell me. <laughs> on the wall is a cute, kitschy framed nursery rhymes. Ooh. Nursery rhyme called Ten Little Soldiers. Oh, I remember that. They all so, die. And I'm going to tell you. Yeah, but I'm going to tell you what it, how it goes. So, oh, ten little soldier boys went out to dine. One choked his little self and then there were nine. Nine little soldier boys sat up very late. One overslept himself, and then there were eight. Eight little soldier boys traveling in Devon. One said he'd stay there, and then there were seven. Seven little soldier boys chopping up sticks. One chopped himself in half, and then there were six. Very hard to do that. Six little... (laughs) Tried really hard. Six little soldier boys playing with a hive. A bumblebee stung one, and then there were five. Five little soldier boys. Sorry, (laughs) Macaulay Culkin. Five little soldier boys going in for law. One got in chancery, and then there were four. Four little soldier boys going out to sea. A red herring swallowed one, and then there were three. <laughs> a red herring. Three little soldier boys walking in the zoo. A big bear hugged one, and then there were two. Two little soldier boys sitting in the sun. One got all frizzled up, and then there was one. One little soldier boy left all alone. He went and hanged himself, and then there were none. Can I just... Okay, let's count this. Emma Watson... Um, Tom Selleck, Dolores Umbridge, Christopher Plummer, Tom Hardy, Arthur, Zac Efron. Uh, Arthur. <laughs> I'm not Blore. <laughs> I'm, I'm Davis. So far we've got seven, right? Am I missing anyone? That's So, Justice Wargrave, Emily Brent, Vera Claythorne, Philip Lombard, Blore, not Davis. Dr. Armstrong, Tony oh, Marston. Oh, sorry, I missed Patrick Wilson. Um, so I've got eight. Do we count the butler? Yeah, and his wife. Okay, so we count Ray Fiennes. We haven't met his wife. Yeah. Okay, so here's the ten. There's plus the, the two mysterious benefactors that we mm-hmm. are yet to meet. Vera. Wait, let's talk about that creepy poem for a second. Oh, yeah? Wait, any thoughts? It's creepy. <laughs> All right. Vera's like, oh, that's cute. <laughs> Making the connection between the soldiers in the poem and the name of the island. She's like, oh, Palm Island. I mean, (laughs) Soldier Island. (laughs) Uh, She looks up. Yeah, because it was 10 little engines. Oh, and it was 10 little. I remember. Yeah, Yeah, so that's. And those are the the original titles of the poem. 10 little little, words. Exactly. And then it was 10 little engines. And and then they changed it to 10 little soldiers. Yeah. Yikes. Mm hmm. Ten little twilight vampires. So Vera looks out her window at the waves. They're getting a bit rough and choppy now, and it mm. makes her think on drowning. Robby. Yeah. What? You don't just think about drowning. Oh, don't you? <laughs> unless the oh, homicide sorry. she was involved with was drowning asterisk. You said homicide, but it was just a suspicious death. Sure. Fred drops off Dr. Armstrong in the evening, so he's finally arrived. Where the fuck is Fred again? Fred Narricott. Oh, Hagrid. <laughs> Fred Narricott. Patrick Wilson's here see, now. He sees Justice Wargrave on his way in and he recognizes him. He remembers serving as an expert witness giving medical testimony. Justice. A trial that Justice Wargrave, Christopher Plummer, was Thank presiding you. over. Um, I forget who he cast as Dr. Armstrong. 
Patrick Wilson. Yes. So he remembers that Wargrave had a reputation as quite a stern, hard judge who could influence juries especially to convict. He strikes up a conversation with him and Wargrave asks about Constance Carmington, the woman who um, is meant to have invited him to the island. Armstrong. Yeah. yeah, Armstrong can't help him out. It looks like Constance isn't expected on this island by anyone else. So they're both like, well, this is kind of weird. Back upstairs, Tony Marston... Um, Zac Efron oh, nice. <laughs> is taking a bath, having a grand old time. No, you know what? Whenever I say Marston, I just keep thinking it's um, James, James Marston. That's Corny <laughs> Collins. Like young. Yeah. yeah, let's just it's Corny Collins. Um, I'd say I'd say like young, quite young though, like twenty two. Yeah, let's just go with Zach. It's fine. Well, I just feel like he doesn't yeah. fit in. He's not. He's. Well, don't worry about. It. No, I'm worried. I'll put James Marston in there. There he is. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> there, you, there you are. But even he is wondering about the weird situation. Like, he was really hoping for a more fun crowd, some babes, maybe. Yeah, what did he... Ha- why is he there? Did, do he we... got an invite from a friend as well. What friend? Um, It's not, not important thing, so it's not important. Blore, in the next room, is getting ready for dinner, tying his tie, and he notices an identical rhyme on the wall of his room. Awful. He's like, watch that, ten little... Soldier boys. <laughs> so, like, why <wami> you? <laughs> In his own room, General MacArthur is feeling uneasy and wishes he could leave. Oh, Tom Selleck. However, he knows the boat has already left. Oh, I agree. At this point, <laughs> people are all thinking suspicious things. And that's a great thing about the way Agatha Christie has written this book. Like, in the bath, Tony Marston thinks, um, is thinking he's, quote, going to have to go through with it. Without telling what it is. It might just be the dinner with these squares. It might be something else. Dr. Armstrong thinks the island is beautiful and exciting. And maybe this makes him the killer if he's feeling... Well, the killer. Spoilers. There's going to be a murder. Um, Great. But she like keeps leaving these threads. You see in everyone's mind. Okay. You get to hear everyone's thoughts. And all of them still could be okay. the killer. And they also could be victims. Which is oh. really, really fun and exciting. Now I kind of wish we were watching this tonight. But <laughs> alas... Um, anyway, everyone goes downstairs and they're dressed up and they start to mingle, drinks are flowing, and they at last start to relax. Mr. Rogers and his wife, it turns out they're the only staff on the island. Who would his wife be? Uh, this is always so hard. Uh, Molly, uh, Molly Weasley. Weasley. Whoa! <laughs> um, so they're the only staff on the island. They've prepared a lovely spread despite people being worried like, some of the guests are worried that just the two of them looking after eight people would be, like, too much for the pair. They can um, do it. So everyone notices a kind of display in the middle of the dining table. A set of ten figurines shaped like little soldiers. <laughs> Vera, I'm pretty sure it's Vera, comments on it. And she's like, oh, like the poem. Um, and like, do you have one? Um, did you see that in my room there's a poem? I'm like, oh, in my too. And everyone seems to have, like, this poem in their room. Oh my god! You know what my my thoughts are right now? It's um two rich people. What um it's battle royale. Uh, people gonna kill each other somewhere. Or that new movie, The Hunt. The Hunt. Yeah, I want to see that. Yeah, um, it's out available for download game, now. I think it's the most book. dangerous game. Apparently, it's not that great. Mm-hmm. Someone like said, um, Ready or Not was better. Mm-hmm. Which is Ready or Not was a great movie, but mm-hmm. The Hunt. Ooh. After dinner. They head into the drawing room where the Rogerses are bringing them tea and coffee. You know, it's very polite and civilized in English. Suddenly, a disembodied mechanical voice says, Ladies and gentlemen, 
I charge you with the following indictments. And it proceeds to list all the names of the guests, followed by the names of people they have supposedly murdered. So let's go through them. Yes, please. Emma Watson, who'd you kill? Um, no, let's start with Dr. Armstrong, because he's the first one I wrote. Okay, Patrick Wilson, what do you yep. do? He was charged with murdering a woman called Louisa Mary Cleves on his operating table when he was drunk. Ooh. So medical malpractice. Okay. Justice Wargrave is supposed to have convicted a jury to hang an innocent man, a man okay. named Edward Seaton. General MacArthur sent the lover of his wife, um, a man named Arthur Richmond, Arthur. who was an officer under him in the army on a suicide mission. <gasps> yep. Mr. and Mrs. Rogers are accused of... Oh, them too! Yeah, of murdering Jennifer Brady, their last mistress. A single woman with little family to speak of who was like in ill health. They their could have last given her... mistress? Yeah. They could have given her medical assistance, but they withheld it. Oh, sorry. I thought you meant they were having like a fucking throuple or something. No, 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 no. Like mistress is in like mistress of the house. They yeah, yeah. Um, like the woman so they version didn't of help master. Her. Um, no, they didn't. They let her. Why? Because she didn't have any family and she left them quite a bit of money. I see. Tony Marston is accused of murdering John and Lucy Coombs, two little children he ran over with his Sweet bitchin' stang. car. Oh, yeah. no. Emily Brent, the old religious lady. Dolores, yeah. Mm-hmm. Drove a maid who worked for her to suicide when she fired her upon learning she was pregnant. <sighs> Philip Lombard, Hardy. Tom Hardy. Tom yeah. Hardy. What did he do? He left 21 members of an East African tribe to die, taking their food and water and abandoning them in the Congo. Why would you do that? Looking out for number one. <laughs> Sandy, is your name on this list? <laughs> Blore is accused with his real name, by Uh-oh. the way. He's like, no, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Who's Blore? <laughs> that's crazy. Oh, I'm Davis, I'm nine. Let's find this Blore, man. <laughs> Of giving false testimony on a man named James Landor in a bank robbery case that led to him dying in jail. Okay. Finally, Vera Claythorne mm-hmm. is accused of killing Cyril Hawthorne, a boy who she let drown. Drown. Why she was thinking about drowning? Asterisk. <laughs> the apps. While the record is playing, they hear a crash outside the room. Mrs. Ooh. Rogers, who is carrying a tray of like crumpets or some shit, she's fainted. <laughs> Well, yeah, this is very faint-worthy yeah. um, news. The men, who are, like, angered and freaking out, they start tearing around the house to find the source of the voice. Turns out it's a gramophone in the next room, mm-hmm. playing a record entitled Swan Song. <laughs> Rogers admits that he put the record on at the behest of his employer, Mr. Owen, who'd written him an instruction to do so in a letter. He's like, when everyone is taking tea, put this record on. I love that. Oh, this is so spoopy. I know. They managed to revive Mrs. Rogers with some brandy, and Mr. Rogers and Dr. Armstrong help put it to bed. Who's Mr. Rogers? Oh, um, the Rafe. butler, her husband. Or as uh, Tim Curry would have. Yeah, yeah. Um, I don't agree. <laughs> so Dr. Armstrong gives her some sleeping pills to like ch- chill around and let her nice. sleep. While they wait for those dudes to come back, um, people it's help it's... themselves to liquor. Yeah, why not? Um, it's there, you know, well provided for, for a spoopy not? evening. Um, Rogers comes back. He explains that neither his... Yes. Does this all happen in the span of an evening? Like this whole... Not, not the whole story, but so far everything that's happened has happened okay. on the same day. Rogers explains that he neither he nor his wife ever met their employer. Okay. 
Um, they were appointed with an agency and they've just been receiving instructions by letter to get everything set up on the island. So no one here has met the Owens. It becomes clear. Um, every, sorry, and everyone else takes turn explaining their own invitations to the island, which we've already gone over. Yeah. Um, it becomes clear that something hinky is going on. Really? Just now? Justice Wargrave, who's pretty on the ball, points out that the recording mentioned a Mr. Bloor and not a Mr. <laughs> Davis. So everyone Bloor. is immediately suspicious of Bloor. Who's Bloor? Bloor. <laughs> 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 who grudgingly reveals that the reason he used an alias was to conduct a private investigation into the party, um, which he was asked to do by Mrs. Owen, who was worried about her jewels or something. Someone was going to steal her jewels and he needed to come and investigate Like her vapes? Rubies? Yes, so he's just as in the dark as yeah. the rest of them, is what we learn from that. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> of, so- I am poor. You know what I said earlier was a blow. I am. I am. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Blow. So, Justice Wargrave notes that the initials of the two owners, UN, so Uninazi or Ulrich Norman. Nazi, are you saying? Nancy. Nancy. Okay. Um, Owen sound like and may stand for unknown. 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 <laughs> What's the... Th- I don't know him. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the next order of business seems to be clearing their names of these accusations that this spectral voice has um, accused them all of. They address the accusations on the record. Armstrong says he can't remember the woman who he seems to be accused of killing. He says he's people, drunk at all he, times. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't say that, but he's like, people die on the table all the time. Sometimes it just happens. Yeah, with like a scalpel and Brady. He's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Spilling like brandy in the room, like, oh! <laughs> Let's say for the opera game. Like, yeah, take out her uterus. And they're like, um, she's here for like, she's got a, she needs a, she's got an appendectomy. He's like, ah, I'll take that out too. <laughs> <laughs> and you can't see it, but Sam is splashing brandy everywhere. <laughs> like, what? Imaginary brandy. Yeah, he's like, sometimes it just happens. A lot of the people I operate on are old, they just can't handle it. Privately, though, he admonishes himself for being a drunk. He's like, oh my god, you know who he is? He's um, Leonardo DiCaprio in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood when he's like having that freak out in his trailer. <laughs> in the mirror, he's just like, like, I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> and he was like, you're never drinking again. He's like, ah, fuck. It was him. Yes. That scene made me laugh to like cry. I know. I know. So I was there with you. Yeah. We watched it together. We did. We were um, next to each other. I wiped your tears. <laughs> Tenderly. <laughs> Kissed your cheek. So don't cry. <laughs> Don't cry, it's embarrassing. <laughs> Who's next? Wargrave says, Yes, I did influence the jury to hang Seaton, but I was privy to evidence um, that was not before the court. Sounds unethical, Christopher Plummer, but whatever. <laughs> yes, so he doesn't regret it at all. Yeah, he's just like, He's like, no I'm reg- old, I fear nothing. <laughs> no regrets. <laughs> regrets. Vera tells the group that she was Cy- Cyril Hamilton's governess and was cleared of any guilt in a coroner's inquest. God damn it. Um, she's she, particularly shaken of the group. She's did like, she drown the boy? Did she do it? <laughs> Emily Brent refuses to speak to the accusation at all. She just won't. She won't talk. MacArthur, D- General MacArthur, denies sending Arthur Richmond to his death. He mm. says it was just a reconnaissance mission. It was just, it was just the business war. And he simultaneously denies that his wife is unfaithful and slept, and slept mm-hmm. with uh, Arthur Richmond. Sounds a lot like his wife was sleeping with him and he sent him on as I was, I imagine. <laughs> Lombard says, well... I must be the only guilty one here, then. 
and he freely admits to killing, sorry, to leaving 21 Africans to die. He says he did it to save himself and that he's not sorry. Oh, Tom Hardy. Tony Marsden struggles to recall the names John and Lucy Coombs, but eventually figures out they must be the two kids he ran over on accident that one time. <laughs> He's like, oh, he I remember like, that. Frightfully inconvenient. <laughs> <laughs> that one time I ran over some kids. Huh? <laughs> oh, yes, I remember. Um, Mr. Rogers says their previous mistress died naturally. They couldn't reach the doctor in time. <laughs> You're very suspicious of all these people. Of course I am. One of them's a killer. Law insists Randall was guilty. <laughs> Wargrave suggests they all leave in the morning when the boat arrives and everyone else agrees. However, mere seconds later, Tony Marston takes a swig of his drink, chokes on it, foams at the mouth, and dies. <sighs> they kill off the party. Yeah, they do. <sighs> so... Armstrong examines the drink and finds potassium cyanide. He's a doctor, remember? He's like, you need a doctor in situations like this. Yeah. At first, everyone assumes he committed suicide because Marston poured it himself, right? Sure. However, everyone finds it increasingly hard to believe. Like, why would Tony Marston kill himself? Yeah, he, he doesn't seem like he was he any kind of He loves his car. Yeah. He loves his car. He doesn't seem like he has a care in the world. Yeah, he's, he's really young. He's really rich. Like, why? Super hot. Yeah, why not? Um, Eventually, the men take the body. Yeah. Who plays him in the BBC one? Um, the same guy who plays Pip in the BBC one. Timothy Chalamet? No, no, no. <laughs> um, the one that we looked up before, whose name I forget. Oh, yeah, sure. You know the one? Punchable. Oh, yeah. Mr. Punchable. Um, Mr. Punchable. He's really good. Okay. Yes, you're allowed to inquire who plays people after they die. <laughs> okay. And then I'll tell you. Okay, he's dead. Bye. What was the first line in that creepy poem? Ten little ten little soldier boys. Um, Why me you? <laughs> I think going into dying, one choked his little self, and then another two chokes. Okay, so he chokes the yeah. first one. We should have that up at all times. <laughs> Sorry, we should. Not not that pe- more people are gonna die necessarily. Um, the title of the book is, and then there were none. <laughs> not and then there were nine. All right. <laughs> Oh wow, she loved that. I did. I'm sorry if that blew up. Yeah, I think you broke both microphones. <laughs> Eventually, the men take the body up to his room and lay a sheet over it. Rogers cleans up down below while everyone else goes up to their rooms for the night, truly shaken. Each guest locks their doors. Click. The house seems all the more spooky for being so brightly lit and modern. It's like there's nowhere to hide, if anything was hiding. But there's nowhere to hide. So Closets. what's going on? Um, oh, like secret passageways. The books that, you know, you pull them <laughs> you out pull them and they out. move and then you're like, oh! But it's like minimalist, man. There's like no books. There's like one coffee table book. I don't know. I don't know what it looks like. But anyway, downstairs, while he's cleaning up, Rogers notices that there are only nine little soldier statues remaining on the table. <laughs> Upstairs in her room, Vera muses on her time as Cyril's governess. She's like, remember when I grabbed that kid? <laughs> <laughs> she was in love with Cyril's cousin Hugo, who before Cyril was born, stood to inherit the sizable estate with Cyril as heir, however, Hugo was too poor to marry Vera. Oh. She remembers the day Cyril died when he begged her over and over and over again to swim out to the rock. And she said no because he was too small. She lights on the poem again, noticing the similarity with what just happened in the poem's lyric, One choked his little self and then there were nine. Mm-hmm. As you are right to make that connection, well done, Sam. You're welcome, me. Armstrong has a nightmare about killing a patient on his table. <laughs> who looks like Emily Brent. Oh. And then Marston. He wakes up to Rogers standing over him, asking him to come see his wife, who won't wake up. She's died in her sleep, perhaps from overdosing on sleeping pills? But Rogers says she only took the pills that Armstrong gave her. Mm. Mm. 
now in the morning, the guests are all up and hoping to see Fred Narakon's boat come into view. Oh, agreed. Vera Lombard and Blore. So Vera, <laughs> Philip and Blore. Blore. <laughs> me. <laughs> me. <laughs> it's me, Blore. The real one. For reals. Blore, me. They go up to the top of the island to give a look out for it, but it doesn't appear. Mm. Armstrong. Announces Mrs. Rogers' death after breakfast, so as not to spoil everyone's appetite. Nice guy. Armstrong's the doctor, right? Yeah. Yeah. When Rogers appears, the butler, they offer their condolences, but when he leaves, they start to speculate. Maybe nerves, maybe a guilty conscience. Mrs. Brent's idea, this is how she might have died from nerves or a guilty conscience. Blah suggests that Rogers killed her to keep their secret from being exposed. Ooh-hoo. After Brekkie, Oh, nice. How Australian of them. (laughs) (laughs) That's a Vegemite or something. (laughs) I just didn't want to type out breakfast. Blore and Lombard have a hushed conversation on the terrace. Lombard. Lombard. That's a ship name. Lombard's Tom Hardy, right? Yes. They have a hushed conversation on the terrace, confirming their suspicions. The boat will not come. Mm -hmm. MacArthur Mm -hmm. walks past them, seeming a little dazed. Who's MacArthur? Um, he's the soldier. Okay. The general. Tom Sully. Yep. Seeming a little day, saying none of them will ever leave the island. <laughs> That's like, you'll never get off the island. <laughs> Shutter Island. Oh my god, Leonardo DiCaprio was in this twice. <laughs> They're all played by Leonardo oh DiCaprio. Yes. <laughs> uh, I would pay so much money to see that. I would have to pay so much money to see that. Yeah, because you have to pay him for every Ten role. Times. So it's like... At least two million per roll. Oh my god. Think about all the CGI. <laughs> like, you know, with Lindsay Lohan in mm. Parent Trap, but yeah. Leonardo DiCaprio in <laughs> Island so Trap. I don't know. Ten people trap. Uh, ten little Leos. <laughs> and then there were nunos. <laughs> Rogers pulls Armstrong aside, frightened and confused, to tell him the figures. Somehow, it appears there are now only eight. Who's doing it? <laughs> oh, Emily. So please don't tell me the twist ending. Some of the schizophrenic and somehow they were doing it. I hate that. Emily and Vera go for a walk together. Where Emily at last tells the story of Ooh. Beatrice Taylor. Here we go. A woman go. who she drove to drown herself. Not a subject drown? to talk about. Yeah. Not a subject to talk about in front of men, apparently. Yeah. Lady t- girl stuff. Girl stuff. Um, Emily insists she did the right thing, but Vera is shocked. She's like, Jesus. Um, meanwhile, Armstrong, the doctor, tells Lombard, the guy who killed 21 dudes, yeah, um, about the figurines. One person dead could be an accident, but two? They figure that the host, Mr. Owen, is a serial killer hiding somewhere on the island. <laughs> and they decide that they have to start searching for him. They get Blore on board for the search. Blore on board. Blore. And they start turning the island upside down, trying to find <laughs> this mysterious 11th person. Uh-huh. There's not a lot of hiding holes on the island or in the house. Twerk! Hello. <laughs> How dare you. I did it. I killed them. <laughs> okay, so there's not a lot of hiding holes in the house. During the search, it's revealed that Lombard has a revolver. Uh-huh. Which Blore doesn't like at all. My, nope. my God, that revolver! Don't like it. I don't like that at all. Blow, no. This man, Blow, don't like it. <laughs> Poor Arthur. <laughs> they run into MacArthur sitting out on the beach, staring out to sea. 
He says there is very little time and he'd like to be left alone. I keep forgetting who MacArthur is. Tom Selleck, Tom right? Selleck, Thank yeah. you. Carl Monster. Oh, yeah, let him And they die. figure he's like lost his mind. Yeah, it's fine. They start talking about signaling the mainland, maybe with a big bonfire or something, but Philip notices there's a storm brewing, which is sure to cut them off completely. Who's Philip? Lombard. Okay. See, you can't switch between the last Sorry, names and their first Phil. names. <laughs> Don't um. do that. They'll <laughs> probably listen to this. Lombard suggests it's also likely that people on the mainland have been told by Mr. Owen or whomever to disregard signals from the island. Yeah, they're like, that's plain. Owen would have probably thought of that, right? Yeah, of course. He's thought of this whole elaborate thing. Mm, exactly. And he's like, oh, dang it, I forgot the signals. <laughs> he's like, walking away to roll his mustache, like, wait, shit. <laughs> Yeah, so this yeah. main main mainlanders are like, ah, it's fine. The bonfire's for fun. The men find some cliffs. They want to search for caves, but they need rope to do so, so they send Blore back to the house for the rope. Meanwhile, Vera is going for a walk around the island and comes across MacArthur. He talks about how relieved he is that it's finally almost all over, and he begins to murmur the name of his dead wife. Why is this wife? Leslie. Blore. 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 I'm back with a rope. He comes back to find Armstrong alone. Blow. Back with Lombard ropes. went to check a theory on something. So oh. they've all been left alone at some point, is the point. Oh, so you know what that means. Blow. And Armstrong hold a rope for Lombard, and while he's down there, they gossip a bit about his gun. Why does he have it? Etc. He's like, I can hear you. <laughs> anyway, they don't find anything, and they head back to the house, which they begin to systematically search. Of course, big modern house that it is, there's hardly any hiding places and the search is over pretty quickly. Ooh-hoo-hoo. Towards the end of the search, however, they hear footsteps above them coming from the butler's room. Ooh-hoo-hoo. Turns out it's the butler. Oh, yeah. Whoa. Rogers. Gathering some clothes and stuff to move into one of the empty guest rooms as he doesn't really want to sleep next to his dead wife. Oh, you know what? That's fair. Yeah, everyone's like, oh, that's fair enough. <laughs> as the search comes to an end, they realize something disturbing. What is it? There's only seven figures left, isn't there? There is no one on the island. Except the eight of them. <laughs> I love it. It's so spooky. The killer is one of us. Oh, uh, it's oh yeah, oh it's that movie with John Cusack where they're in a hotel. Mm-hmm. What's that fucking called? Identity. I'm pretty sure it's identity. Lombard and Blore and Armstrong discuss how Mrs. Rogers may have been poisoned. Blore, never one to make friends, suggests mm. that Armstrong poisoned up. <laughs> he's like, I'm right here. Um, when he gave her the sleeping pills, by accident or on purpose. He's like, by accident, I guess. <laughs> if you say it wasn't on purpose. And Armstrong's like, shut up, you asshole. Lombard scoffs at him, which angers Blore more. And he demands to know why Lombard has a gun. Blore more. Lombard at last explains the details of his own invitation to the mm-hmm. island. That he's there as a mercenary. At first, he didn't want to tell them, as he thought that the events of last night might have been the exact sort of trouble he was hired to deal with. Now he's certain he's as clueless and at risk as the rest of them. Nice. So, the bell rings for lunch. Poor Rogers has been doing his absolute best to cook for the party without his wife to help. Oh, he's still doing it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> he doesn't have to. Now that people are getting killed. And lunch is cold ham, tongue, you, and a couple of other canned things. He can literally just, like, sit on a chair, smoke, and be like, doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> but he's English by God, and he's going to do it. Devin. He's anxious. No one will like it. Oh, but no. But most people feel sorry for him and are nice. <laughs> and they're just like, it's fine. People talk about the approaching storm for a bit until Armstrong appears at the door out of breath. Vera immediately is like, oh, MacArthur is dead. And Armstrong's like, bingo, yes, MacArthur is dead. Um, and he is. How'd he die? He was killed by a violent blow to the back of the head. They what? found him on the beach where he was sitting before. So now he's dead, I can tell you. He was played by Sam Neill 
in the beach. Oh, that makes sense. Actually, you know what? Yeah. (laughs) Samuel and Peaky Blinders. Got us. As Bloor and Armstrong fetch the man's body, the storm finally hits the island and starts to howl around the house. They are stuck. Vera and Rogers notice that there are now only seven figurines. Everyone gathers in the drawing room, except Rogers, because he's a servant, and not even triple homicide can shake the foundations of the English class system. That's a really great line. Thank you so much. That was really funny. Thanks. Well, insightful, deep, like mm. cutting, and, yeah. you know, but like Satirical, modern, yeah. Modern, Thanks yeah. so much. Wargrave, who's been quietly musing all day, suddenly takes charge. Who's this fucking guy again? Um, Christopher Plummer. Oh, yeah. The Justice. judge. Yeah. yeah, he's like, he's been like thinking it over. He's been mulling it over, just like... And now he's like, all right, now sit down. (laughs) And he's like, he's decided it's, it's Wargrave's time. (laughs) (laughs) He blows the whistle. Uh, Captain Von Trapp is um, So he says he reckons the conclusion he's come to is that one of the guests is the murderer. Well, yeah. Who else Mm -hmm. could it be? And the other dudes are like, oh, yeah, we figured that out too. (laughs) Vera is the only one who doesn't want to believe this theory. Mm. Um, They're like, ah, silly woman. And they start trying to clear people of suspicion, a la, like, whereabouts at different times of death. But it looks like no one can be cleared for almost anything. Like, some people can be cleared for one thing, but not the other two. And it's, like, all like that. Besides, more than one of them could be working together, right? Yeah. So, Wargrave wants them all to be on their guard. Later on, Vera and Lombard are flirting. I mean, talking. (laughs) Just fuck. Y'all's gonna die anyway. (laughs) Neither one suspects the other. They both come out and they're like, I don't think it's you. They're both idiots, mm-hmm. and they should fuck. <laughs> um, Vera thinks Lombard is too focused on self-preservation to have any grand designs for cosmic justice. You know, he's, she's like... You're too, you're too self-absorbed, I like it. Yeah. Um, and Lombard thinks that Vera is too sane, if I recall correctly. That's the word he uses. I guess that's nice. They begin to speculate who the murderer could be. Lombard thinks Wargrave. After many years playing God as a judge, maybe he's gone mad and wants to be the executioner too. Mm. Vera disagrees. She thinks it's Armstrong. He's the only man in the group with medical knowledge, a bag full of drugs, and the opportunity to kill MacArthur when he fetched him for lunch. Mm -hmm. He can also say anything about the deaths and no one will be able to contradict him as he's the only one with any sort of medical knowledge. He's got his brandy and he's just like, ah, (laughs) medical school. Bloor is hanging around Rogers, who's polishing silver because domestic servitude waits for no man's homicidal rampage. You're really outdoing yourself. Aren't Thank you? You. I just think it's weird that Rogers just keeps doing all this stuff. What is it? What else is he gonna do? <laughs> His wife's dead. He's like, well, but polish some silver. Yeah. Yeah, like, I can't imagine him just sitting on like a fainting couch, smoking like ten cigarettes in a row, going, "Does it matter?" <laughs> is- They're like. So I'm going to pour tea. He's like, not me. <laughs> He's just like, she's dead. <laughs> um, Bloor says he suspects someone, but will not say who. Oh, Bloor. But I think we all know he suspects Lombard. Why has he got a gun? Oh my God, what happened? Why has he got a gun? <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Wargrave and Armstrong are also talking. Wargrave says that while he has no evidence that would stand up in a court of law, he thinks he knows the identity of the murderer. Who is it? Armstrong thinks Wargrave looks keen to hold on to his own life. And Wargrave thinks Armstrong can think only in cliches and won't be much use. So everyone's sounding guilty in their heads. Up in her room, Emily Brent writes in her diary. But before long, she begins to feel groggy and writes in her diary that she thinks the killer is Beatrice Taylor, the girl who drowned herself. The pregnant one. Yeah. All right. 
Um, when she <gasps> comes to her senses and reads Could the be line, the baby. <laughs> she wonders if she's going mad. And she is. Um, everyone gathers in the drawing room again for tea time. <laughs> and they relax a bit because it's tea time, goddammit. Rogers pops in to ask if anyone knows why a red curtain from the bathroom is missing. A red curtain from yeah. the bathroom? I think it's like the shower curtain. It's like a why red. is it red? I don't know. It's just red. Why is it, does he know it's missing? Does he inspect all the bathrooms periodically? He's like, no, I'm the check. butler, good lord. God damn it. <laughs> Dinner is canned shit again. And Can everyone, he cook? And everyone, I think they're just running out of stuff. Everyone locks their doors behind them when it's bedtime. Mm-hmm. Rogers, feeling on edge, locks the dining room door to make sure no one can move any of the figurines in the night. Mm-hmm. Lombard sleeps in. When he wakes up, he wonders why Rogers hasn't come to wake them all. Oh no. He wakes up the rest of them, except Bloor, Brent, and Wargrave, who are <laughs> already awake. But the rest of them go downstairs with Philip Lombard to find Rogers is missing. Emily comes in from outside in a raincoat, Miss Brent. I'm saying she went for a nice little walk. Oh, did she? Um, yeah, did she? Maybe. Did she? I don't mm-hmm. know. When they enter the dining room, Vera points out that another statue is missing. I thought that it was locked. By Rogers, though. And Rogers is missing. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> the search for Rogers becomes frantic until at last they find him in a woodshed mm. with an axe embedded in his neck. Oh, it's getting gorier. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, now they have no servants. <laughs> they have to decide which one of them is the lowest class and make that person serve them. <laughs> Probably Vera. Vera loses her cool and starts to hysterically scream about the poem. One chopped himself in half, etc. Yeah. Um, but Armstrong slaps her in the face because ah. that's how you deal with hysteria in the medical biz. Oh, yeah. Um, she comes to herself again and she actually thanks him because it's the 40s. It's 39, actually. So what? He says it's normal for women to be hysterical. He's probably removed the uteruses, the fucker. That's what I wrote. <laughs> probably. The women go about preparing breakfast. There's your answer. There it's we go. The women. There we go. Yep. Mm-hmm. Bloor tells Lombard he thinks Emily Brent might be the killer because she was on a little walk at the time and she's crazy and religious enough. <laughs> Lombard doesn't reckon she has the gonads for it though. Literally, he does I don't think he thinks a woman could like murder a dude. Oh, I'd love for it to be a woman. Um, during this conversation, Bloor also admits to Lombard that he testified against an innocent man. He was on the take. A corrupt cop. Mm. So he's finally oh. you know, admitting to it. Off. Off. Um, blah. Vera. <laughs> Vera is not entirely together, staring off into space while the bacon burns, thinking about Cyril drowning, wondering aloud if Emily is afraid to die. She's like, are you afraid to die, Emily? <laughs> Emily is visibly nervous, but they managed to get breakfast on the table. They burnt the bacon, though. Um, some of Emily's grey knitting wool has also gone missing. Beauty dubs. Some of what? Emily Brent's knitting wool. Grey knitting wool. Mm-hmm. At breakfast, everyone is like low-key freaking out. Well, Just they, like should, they should be high-key freaking bacon. out. But yeah. um, mm-hmm. Christy gives us the thoughts of some people at the table without telling us who's thinking them. Which is a really cool device. Would some she of these do them? Thoughts I are, like them. Would it work? I wonder. It's worth trying. The damned fool. He believed every word I said to him. It was easy. Things like that. Wait, more! Um, no, I don't have any more. After Brecky, Wargrave suggests a house meeting. <laughs> Someone's not doing the dishes. Yeah, they're just like... Um, we have guys- ants. <laughs> oh my god, stop. Don't. Don't do that right now. That is... <clears throat> oh my god. Someone keeps leaving their laundry in the washer. I don't want to have to take out your laundry every time I go to put in my laundry. <laughs> oh, 
Lord. So someone keeps murdering people. <laughs> oh, and final thing on the list. Who's murdering us? <laughs> Emily doesn't feel so good, so she remains in her spot at the table. And Armstrong offers her some Valium or something. <laughs> or something. What a good guy. But she rejects him out of hand. She's not going to take anything from anyone. Fair enough. As the others file out, she sees a bee at the window and starts thinking about honey. She senses someone walking behind her. She thinks the person is Beatrice Taylor dripping with water from the river where she drowned herself. And then she feels a prick in her neck. Oh, she allergic to bees or something. (laughs) That's not a murder weapon. In the drawing room, Bloor says Emily might be the killer. And Vera's like, yeah. And she relays the story of Beatrice Taylor to everyone. Oh, However, with that. they immediately find Emily turning blue in the dining room and that idea is put to bed. She's dead. Apparently poisoned with a hypodermic syringe. Mm. Armstrong admits to having one. And when they search his bag, it's missing. Wargrave's next idea is to lock away any potential weapons in the house in two different locations, including Lombard's revolver and Armstrong's medicine. Everyone is strip searched, even Vera, although she at least is afforded the dignity of a swimming suit. Good. So she puts on like a tight swimsuit. Um, both of the chests with like various weapons and poisons and shit require keys. Lombard is given one and blow the other. I think the idea is that they're the strongest men and they'd have to fight each other for the other's key. Sure. To the death. <clears throat> However, Lombard's gun, when they go to get it, is missing from his bedside drawer. Oh, uh-oh. However, outside the dining room, during this whole search, they find the syringe and one of the missing figurines. Someone's just picked it out the window. Mm. So they're in the drawing room. And Armstrong is chain-smoking, hand-shaking. The generator has shut off without Rogers to take care of it. So they're using candles. Nice. Extra spooky. Vera offers to make tea and they accept. But then they're like, oh, but we've got to supervise you while you make it. (laughs) Um, They all agree that only one person will be allowed to go off alone at a time. And the rest will stay together. Okay. Vera goes up to her room to take a shower. And she suddenly smells the seashore where Cyril drowned. Uh-oh. Then she feels a cold, clammy hand on her neck. It must be Cyril's, she thinks. She screams, and the men come running. They discover a piece of seaweed was hanging from an old hook in her ceiling. Mm-hmm. Lombard thinks it was meant to scare her to death. Um, and offers her brandy, which she fends off, and he laughs, and he's like, Good on you, Vera! And then he goes and gets another bottle that, like, the seal hasn't been broken yet. And then she agrees to have that, and suddenly everyone realises that Wargrave isn't with them. He's the only one not there. Daddy Warbucks? Mm-hmm. They hurry downstairs to find him in a chair in the drawing room, a red curtain over his shoulders like a judge's robe, and Emily's missing grey wool on his head like a wig. Armstrong inspects Wargrave, confirming that he's been shot in the head. Wargrave's Mm. body is carried to his room. I like, oh, they're fucking with him so specifically, the seaweed. Mm -hmm. Did someone knit a little, like, cap? (laughs) (laughs) A little, like, the wig? I was like... Just oh, real fast, like, oh, it's like, like oh, looking at that watch, like, fuck. Murderer clock. <laughs> oh, it's half done, I'll have to do. It's like, it's like half knit on the rest. runway. <laughs> Designer. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Wargrave's body is carried to his room. Mm-hmm. The last four people have cold tongue for dinner and oh. go to bed. Everyone now thinks they know for sure who the killer is. All right. Lombard. Notices his gun has been returned to his drawer. Vera stares at the hook in her ceiling the seaweed was hung from. Oh, she's going to hang herself. <laughs> Bloor can't sleep, which is just as well because he hears light footfalls outside his door. That was so spoofy. <laughs> he just has some light footfalls outside Oh my door. god. He pokes his head out of the room and he follows 
them, only to see the figure of a man leaving by the front door. He wakes up Lombard and Vera. They find Armstrong is not in his room. They tell Vera to lock herself in, and they go after Armstrong. In her room, Vera thinks she hears a glass breaking and then quiet footsteps in the house. Bloor and Lombard return without having found Armstrong. He seems to have vanished completely. In the house, they find a window pane broken and only three china figures on the dining table. They eat breakfast. The storm is over, and it seems as if the nightmare is over. Oh, sure. <laughs> Lombard plans to make a bonfire to signal the mainland. They talk about who the murderer is. Bloor still thinks it's Lombard. <laughs> but Lombard asks why, if that were the case, he wouldn't just shoot Bloor. <laughs> like, I could just fucking kill you. <laughs> Vera notes that in the poem, it says a red herring swallowed one. She thinks Armstrong may not be dead at all. Mm-hmm. She's like, red herring, you guys. Guys. <laughs> Bloor says that the next line is about a zoo, which will make it harder for the murderer. And Vera snaps at him, remarking that all of them are turning into animals. <laughs> at previous points in the books, actually, Wargrave is described as like a turtle. <laughs> like, fitting sort of... Like, with his neck in. Um, and then Philip is constantly described as, like, a panther. Mm. Um, which is sexy, but sure. Um, and below, I think, is described as a bear at one point. Hugged by a bear. Anyway, Vera, Blow, and Lombard spend their morning on the cliff trying to signal SOS with, like, a mirror. Hang on. So, okay. So, if what's-his-face was a bear, that means he kills Lombard, which means Vera hangs herself. Which means there is an 11 person unless someone faked their death. Mm. Bloor gets hungry and he wants to head back to the house to get some food. Yes, of cold tongue. Mm. He's nervous about going alone, but Lombard will not part with his precious revolver. When Bloor is gone, Lombard suggests that Bloor may be the killer, but Vera is convinced it's Armstrong. She then muses that the killer could be supernatural, but Philip scoffs at this. Um, and reckons, he like notes, that it might point to a guilty conscience, and he takes the opportunity to ask Vera about He's like, if you're getting judged, punished... You must think there's something that you need to be punished for. Judged. So he he takes the opportunity to ask Vera about Cyril, Mm -hmm. which she immediately denies. Um, But then he's like, what, was there a man in it? Mm -hmm. And she suddenly feels overcome with exhaustion. And she's like, yes, there was a man in it. They hear a crash from the house. Mm. (laughs) When they go to check it out, Bloor's head has been crushed by a marble clock in the shape of a bear. The one from Vera's room. They think Armstrong must be in the house somewhere and retreat back to the cliffs to await rescue. However, on their way there, they see a pile of rags among the rocks along the shoreline. They go down to investigate it. It's Armstrong's dead body. They stand there, frozen. How's Armstrong dead? How, what's his... He was a red herring swollen one, but he's just... No, I know. He just washed up. I think he drowned. Or he might have fallen on the rocks. Fallen down the cliff onto the rocks. Anyway, he did. I feel like um, all their crimes or something are all connected or something, and there's one person that's gonna. Just you wait. Oh. It's just the two of them left, and they're like facing off. Yeah. They're like. Mano well, they're mano. both like. Yeah. <laughs> they're the Spider-Man meme. <laughs> Vera looks at Lombard, noting how like a wolf he looks, grinning. He's grinning at her with long, sharp teeth. He says that it looks like the end has come. And she says they should move the body of Dr. Armstrong above the waterline. He says, oh, that's nice, some womanly sensitivity, that kind of thing. But he at last agrees to help her move the body. When it's done, he realizes that somehow she's taken the revolver from his pocket and she's pointing it at him. Nice. He decides to risk it and he lunges for the gun. For the biscuit, oh my God. (laughs) But she shoots him through the heart physically and emotionally. 
How emotionally? Because they were flirting before. Oh. Suddenly, Vera is overcome by relief and exhaustion. She's gonna kill herself. So hang her she heads back to the house, now feeling safe. All she wants to do is sleep. She sees the three statues still on the table, mm. and she picks one up, trying to remember what the last line of the poem was. She thinks it might be, he got married and then there were none. It makes her think of Hugo, the man she was in love with, mm. who suspected her of letting Cyril die and he left her. And she did. She was like, yeah, go out. You can swim to the rock. And then she's like, oh no. And she like swam after him like, Ugh. Ugh. oh no, I why can't she... reach him in time. Why did she let the kid die? Wow. Because then the, her lover, Hugo, would have inherited oh. his fortune and would have had enough money to marry her. So why didn't Hugo marry her after the kid died? Because he loved the kid. And he's like, I think you killed this kid that I loved. Oh, well, but she was cleared of all charges. Why can't he... Yeah, but he just can't. He's like, no. Okay. At the top of the stairs, she drops the revolver to the ground without even realizing. She <laughs> feels sure... <laughs> she feels sure that Hugo is waiting for her in her room. Sure. In her bedroom, hanging from the black hook in the ceiling, is a noose with a chair underneath it. She realizes Hugo wants her to hang herself. She remembers the last line of the poem is actually he went and hanged himself and then there were none. Mm -hmm. She climbs up on the chair and hangs herself. Don't. And that is the end of the story. But there's an epilogue! Thank God, I was like, I'm gonna fucking murder you. It's gonna be 11 <sighs> dead little soldiers. You're the 11th one. Okay, so two policemen are discussing the strange case of the Soldier Island deaths. They've constructed um, much of what happened, but are still at a loss. It's revealed to us that after Vera hanged herself, the chair was put back neatly against the wall. We learn that Isaac Morris, the man who hired Lombard and Bloor, and who bought the island in the name of Mr. Owen, was a criminal and was also mysteriously murdered with potassium cyanide. Mm -hmm. It turns out the people on the mainland were instructed to ignore any distress signals as a social experiment or like game was supposedly taking place the on the island. The police are at a loss. It is the perfect crime. The last part of the epilogue takes the form of a message in a bottle mm -hmm. written by... Who was it? Justice Wargrave. That was Daddy Warbucks. Sure oh. was. He reveals that he's always been a sadistic person and has always wanted to kill, but he's also been always possessed with a keen sense of justice. Therefore, upon being diagnosed with cancer... He decided to commit his perfect crime at the end of his life, bringing people to justice who had heretofore escaped it, for whatever reason. I guess he did have access to, mm -hmm. like, files. Sure did. He was inspired by a doctor he visited who had relayed a story to him about a, a servant couple who killed their mistress. Mm. Um, not, like, actively, but by withholding the medical help she needed. Mm -hmm. Impossible to prove. And Wargrave was like, actually, there's a lot of people who were responsible for the death of other people that it's impossible to prove in court. Um, so he begins gathering his list of victims. And also, it struck me that his was the only different one. He wasn't hired by the people. He had Holland Taylor inviting him. Oh, back. well, like, Emily Brent had, was invited as well by person. Oh, yeah, the free holiday yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, but it's okay. interesting, in the first one, you, you when he's reading his letter, like, his thoughts are like, she's exactly the kind of person who would buy an island. Like, something that the murderer could still think. Mm -hmm. if he's like just congratulating himself on like how tight his scheme is and whatever mm -hmm. it's really cool oh by the way in the BBC version he's played by Charles Dance <laughs> thank you for not telling me because if you did I'd be like oh it was him <laughs> yeah, he did yeah it. and it's pretty obvious in the BBC version you're like oh it's him <laughs> like Charles duh yeah 
Morris, his silence. Sorry, how was he so sure that Vera would kill herself? I think if she hadn't, he would have, like, helped her along. Oh, but he was dead by then. Or was he? Or was he? Morris, his silent tenth victim, had sold drugs to an acquaintance of Wargrave, leading to her death. So, before leaving for the island, Wargrave had poisoned Morris by giving him um, phony and... A phony indigestion cure. Who's um, Morris? He's the one who like hired Lombard and Blore and um and like purchased the island on Walgrave's behalf. Oh, so he killed this guy. So he killed this guy too before before leaving for the island. Wow. With potassium cyanide. So Wargrave claims he killed in order of the greatest guilt. So it's like le- le- least guilt to greatest guilt. So um, Mrs. Rogers and Marston were largely ignorant over malicious. Okay. So they got the easiest first deaths. Like, yeah, he killed MacArthur, Rogers, and Brent by sneaking up on them. Pretty easy. Um, but then his genius plan. He tricked Armstrong into becoming his ally, saying they would throw the killer off his game by pretending Wargrave was dead by a gunshot to the forehead. Mm. Just a little syrup for my friends. <laughs> um, so Armstrong knows he's alive when he declares him dead mm. and carries him up to his room. Then Wargrave and he arranged to sneak out and meet by the shore to regroup. And that's um, it's actually Wargrave blossies at the door. And then they meet on the cliffside. Wargrave pushes Armstrong into yeah. the ocean. Then Wargrave returns to his room, plays dead. No one's checking on him. No one's looking under the Yeah, because like, everyone... Yeah, they're like, he's dead. He's in his room. You, yeah, you wouldn't. Um, so until he had the opportunity to crash Blore with the clock, prevented itself. Then he let nature run its course between Vera and Lombard, both immediately suspicious of each other as soon as they're the last two people. Mm. And whoever was left last, he'd just hang him. You know him. Um, he, arra- he sees Vera kill Lombard, is very pleased. He arranges the noose in Vera's room, letting her guilt drive her to suicide. Mm. Um, he says that despite feeling it is as close to the perfect crime as possible, he acknowledges there are three clues the police could pick up on. What are they? His supposed murder of Edward Seaton. Seaton was guilty, so he's the only one of the group who's like innocent of, of murder. Yeah. Um, the line about the red herring points to the fact that Armstrong was somehow tricked. And three, he plans, so this is how he dies in the end, he plans to shoot himself in the head using some Home Alone hijinks to fling the gun away afterwards. Hmm. However, the mark on his forehead from the bullet will be like the mark of Cain, the first murderer, according to the book of Genesis. Hmm. And that so did he actually is kill the him? end of the mystery. He actually killed himself, though. Yeah. Well, he had cancer. He was terminal. Oh, yeah. That's why he decided to do this whole thing, because it's a perfect crime. I really like that, like, you didn't have to write the message in the bottle, but, like, serial killers always want like, to be they recognized. Would, yeah. <laughs> they, like, want, they want attention. Yeah, he wants, he's like, well, I'll be dead anyway. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I think he, like, he does write that down. He's like, but, you know, all sociopaths are artists and we all want to be recognized. <laughs> like, all artists want to be recognized. Yeah, that was fun. Mm. Charles Dance, of course. Of course mm-hmm. it was him. Mm-hmm. Of course Tywin <laughs> Lannister did it. Yeah. Now I guess we have to talk about the title for a second. There were not. Not originally. It, w- it was originally ten little n words. Was the original title. Instead of and then there were none. Yes. Oh Jesus Christ, Agatha. Yeah, <laughs> Agatha. Um, but there is so by erasing. Was she soups racist or was that just like norms she was like a norm them? level of racist? But there's a really <laughs> interesting. You know, there's an interesting aspect to the story. If you leave that racial element in. Which is? Which is the savagery underneath the 
proper polite class of the English society. So like at times in the story, you'll have Emily Brent saying like, death is for other people. And like Philip Lombard, when he's talking about the East African tribe is like, well, natives don't think of dying the same way we Westerners do. Like it's all very, we're, we're above them. So in a way, by, by having that, by calling these good, proper white English people, savages, um, in a way, like, and she's, she's not, um, Martin Luther King Jr. Like, she's not going to be winning any awards for, um, for her racial politics. And she's like notoriously orientalist in a lot of her books, but there is something to be said for the way that the comparison, I guess, is drawn between these people and their crimes are like the reason they all feel like they're innocent is because they've done these things in a really civilized way mm. in a lot of the time like oh general macarthur didn't kill anyone he just sent someone to their death and mm-hmm. it's different and i get this kind of saying well it's not different it's it's savagery i guess <laughs> and i'm definitely not condoning I, th- I think it's great that they changed the title i think it's great that they changed the form um mm. but I, I also think it's important to to know about the, the context and the original. How did Charles Dance deduce that some, like Emma Watson just wanted that kid dead so he, her lover would inherit? I guess if you're just really observant, you put I the pieces actually, together. I think he talked to Hugo on the train. I think he like ran into Hugo and he was like, oh, women. And he like told him about... Ah, I see. Yeah, firsthand. And I think a lot of it was hearing about it firsthand. And some yeah. of it was like through the courts. I think he heard about like, blah, um, blah. through the court, blah, blah. Um, through his like justice contacts, he heard about Armstrong through the courts because Armstrong was like a medical witness for stuff. Yeah. And then um, Lombard, just because just he's a mercenary, he would have just heard that. Yeah, he, he has connections, I guess. What about um, Dolores Umbridge? I guess just. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, people talk. I think yeah. he, he like asked everyone like, I think he was going around Y'all got going, any good victims? I meant... Exactly, yeah. Like, you, you guys know any stories of people who, like, killed someone but got away with it? Yeah. A really good resource on that aspect of it, the racial aspect, is um, this video essay on YouTube called Crime and Colonialism, Agatha Christie's And Then There Were None, mm. by the user, is this just fantasy question mark? Well, we can um, watch and that after really, we watch the BBC. For sure. Movie. And it's a really, really um Is it an hour per episode? It's really good. Yeah, uh, 90 minutes, I think. I think no, it's like, oh my God, so it's a three movie. I think so. Okay, yeah, you have to dedicate like a day to it then. Pretty much, yeah. Same mm. as Great Expectations, which we should also do. That's okay. Point. Even though Great Expectations wasn't as, as good as this one. Yeah, well, nothing's as good as this it one. It wasn't as juicy as I thought it'd be, Great Expectations, I mean. Yeah, I mean, it's just Chuck Duck. Just Chuck Duck. Oh, my Making foot's falling asleep. Someone's murdered my foot. <laughs> and then there were one that was not asleep. Because I went to school in New Jersey. Oh right. Cut that uh, out. I don't want New Jersey people mad at me. <laughs> and in New in New Jersey, they're like, yeah, just move her up one. <laughs> and they're like, can she count? Two. <laughs> I re- they put me in a test, and I remember I had to um, like do stuff with money. They gave me a bunch of coins, 
Were they, they just, had to have were you problems. a drug mule? <laughs> Sending you to the oh corner shop <laughs> to buy some, like, guanciale. There was a guy who lived next door to us who had, like, a pool and would, like, let us use the pool. And I only found out this year that apparently he was a homicide detective. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I know. It was super cool.